everybody. Hi there, welcome back. I'm Emily. And I'm Larry. And this is Planet in God. Um, we are currently doing what, Miss Emily? Uh, we are doing our Christmas reading challenge. Excellent. And today we are doing John chapter 9. John chapter 9. This was a good chapter. It wasn't as long as some of the other ones. It is. It wasn't. And it was dedicated to one account. Yes. Yes. So that was pretty cool. Let's dive in. Yeah. Proving. Pre thoughts from Larry. Um, <laughs> no, my pre thoughts are my all of my pre thoughts are actually within my thoughts system. So I will give background as we dive into the chapter itself. Okay, sounds good. All right, so right at the very beginning of this chapter, I took note of the question that the disciples asked Jesus. Right In verse 2, Rabbi, who committed the sin that caused this man to be born blind, this man or his parents. Now, this, I guess this is my pre-thought of the chapter. This question comes from an understanding of Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7, which talks about how uh, the transgression of the fathers will be passed down to the children. And so the Pharisees would teach that when a child is conceived, it could either be good or bad. It have good inclinations or bad inclinations. And the way that they taught was that the good inclinations would win out most of the time, but occasionally the bad inclinations would win out, and that's when, you know, the child kicks the mother in the womb, right? That's usually that was that was actually seen as a sign of disrespect towards the mother. The baby's kicking. It wasn't excitement. It's the baby's rebelling. Huh, interesting. Yeah. And so they would say that the child being born blind was divine punishment for these bad inclinations, uh, disrespecting the mother, right, that the child showed in the womb. So it's essentially like the way for the, the Jewish leaders to shift the blame. If your child is born with some sort of an illness, it's the child's fault. It's not a genetic issue or any of that, right? It's the child's fault because the child is evil. Huh. I, well, it made me think, like, so there's a mindset there. Yeah. And it made me think of Job, you know, and in the story of Job, all the um, priests that would come and his friends. Yeah. That would come and visit him, and well, what did you do wrong? Right. Or what did you, what sin did you commit? It's the same mindset as it is here. Yeah, it is. Uh, but the the thing to point out here is that this this mindset that the Pharisees had does is not scripturally based. It's loosely based on Exodus. But it's not like well, that's foundational. That's why it, I mentioned back into Job. Because right. They didn't have the law back then. No, they so didn't. So you can see that this was like a mindset even before that time. Right. And it just has carried its way. Yeah. What did you do? Right. I mean, you can even see that in our culture now. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. The blame shifting yeah. all over the place. But what's important to really point out, though, is that even though this man would have been told that it's his fault, as a child, he was born blind, it's your own fault. What's really important to note is that the man would also have been taught because he was born blind, his only hope 
was for the Messiah to come and heal him. This was one of those miracles that only the Messiah could do. It was uniquely messianic. Right, and we see that later in chapter 9. Yes, So when he's actually healed. Yep. You'll see the conversation that the man has, and he points that out. And so we have the man being born blind from birth. The disciples think it's his own fault. And so Jesus is now going to address that throughout the beginning part of chapter 9. Yeah, and I like how Jesus responds, right? His answer is, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Um, and I think this can also be applied into our lives as well, right? right. Sometimes what we do, it's, you know, we will, if we sin, sometimes that there is a consequence that follows. But sometimes things just happen in our life. And sometimes it is to see God being revealed in our life. Oh, yeah, definitely. I thought that was a good application. That is a good application. <laughs> Bam. Another thing to point out is that within this, this uh, account, Jesus provokes controversy with the Jewish leaders in two ways. First, he heals on the Sabbath. The Sabbath. I noticed that too. Yes, it is another Sabbath. Doesn't everything happen on the Sabbath? Yeah, apparently, it like? does. <laughs> um, and then, second, he. Let's see if you know this one. What was the other reason that causes controversy? Well, he talks about. Nope. Not about talking. It's about what Jesus does. Oh, it's the way he heals him. Yes, the yeah. way he heals him. The mud. Sometimes I don't know where you're yeah, going. I know. <laughs> the mud and the spit mixed. So what's interesting is that both of these things are forbidden in the oral law, which we have written down now in a book called the Mishnah. So the Mishnah, if you were to look it up and find it, um, says that both of these are illegal. It's not Mosaic law. It's oral law. These are the laws around the laws. So healing on the Sabbath was forbidden, and it was specifically forbidden to heal the eyes with wine or mud mixed with spit. I mean, it, if you had that, you, you wouldn't care really how it happened, but like, if you think about it, it's kind of gross. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but... The, this healing, uh, essentially, that Jesus does, it because he does two things that break the oral law, create, he's, so first he does a messianic miracle, and then it comes to find that he did it breaking the oral law. Now the Jewish leaders have this problem on their hands. This is a public relations problem all over Yeah, the place. it doesn't actually break the law, the, the true law. He doesn't law. break the, the, Jesus never breaks the Mosaic law. Right. He always breaks the oral law. Which is Just why they get all huffy. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see as we go through this chapter the public relations problem that Jesus causes and that how the, the Jewish leaders try to cover it up. So then we move into the first interrogation of the man who is healed. This is in verses 13 through 17. So we can see kind of like Jesus kind of steps aside at this point. Yeah. He heals him and then you don't see him because this is between the religious leaders and the blind man. Correct. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that they ask, right, again, 
kind of like, what, or they don't even ask. They kind of say who he is, right? The right. Pharisees say he is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others, the, this says others said. So anybody else in the crowd, right? Um, well, they're like, well, you know, he, how can somebody do these signs and yeah. not be from God, you know? So right. they're kind of like... They're recognizing that this is uniquely messianic. Yes. And then you see the blind man, you know, they they just blatantly ask him, well, who do you think he is? You yeah. know, or who do you say he is? And he's like, well, he's a prophet. But I think you see later on that that develops, you know, yeah. you see it develop into he truly does believe he's the Messiah later. Right. We'll see him make a statement of faith later. Yeah. I think right now, and we'll see when we get to the next section, why he kind of starts off with that more reserved, he's a prophet. I think also, too, people are, they're afraid of these religious leaders because that, they well, have yeah, a certain amount of control that, you know, they can, we see with the parents, Right, which is that's a little bit where I was getting yeah. with that. So let's get into the parents. Sure, let's do that. <laughs> um, verses 18 through 32, the Pharisees don't believe this man. They don't believe that he was born blind, so they go to the parents. And they go, hey, what do you, we need to verify his condition. The parents then verify that... They don't be, it's crazy, though, they don't believe the guy himself. He's like, no. I'm telling you, but yeah. it's like they have to have this extra proof. Right, which is fine, more proof to the pudding, right? Well, yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> but the, the parents verify that he was not... that he was, he was indeed born blind. He did not go blind later. The parents then respond also out of fear of excommunication. So, I think they were very eloquent the way they said it, though. Yeah. It wasn't like, uh, I, the way it's worded, at least. So I felt like it was, they, the way they said it was well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So essentially what happened is that the Pharisees, at some point, we don't have it recorded other than this, but the Pharisees made an edict that whoever puts their faith or publicly believes in Jesus Christ as the Messiah gets put out of the synagogue, excommunicated. And so they respond essentially out of fear of that because being excommunicated from synagogue also meant you're excommunicated from the cult, from the um, social life. Your well, religious right, and feast, your social life. They, they, you well, can't not, do the feast. If you're kicked out of the synagogue, you can't do the it, feast. It's, you can't. it's as if you become a tax collector or a sinner. And sinner, when you read it in the Bible, is a euphemism most of the time for a prostitute. You are regarded as anathema. You're, you're like, you're done. It's like you're one of those. So they respond out of fear because they don't want to be kicked out. They don't yeah, want to have their then, social well, life ruined. Well, then they place that, um, they basically say, he's, he's old enough to tell you himself. Right. You don't really need to question us. Why are you questioning yeah, they're us? Trying to shift. they're trying to shift blame because I think they don't, it's, it's really, it's detrimental from, for you from a, a social, economical, right? Well, what's also All these sad about it too is that, they don't actually place their belief in Jesus no. either. So that part we don't, of it is We don't not see them actually thrilling. say that. <laughs> right. But it's, we can only speculate. It's possible that right. they, they did, maybe they just after, weren't ready for. Maybe after the son. Right, right? does. Because again, like it's all speculation. Yeah. But before you can see they shift that 
uh, control back into the son's hand yep, because they, they do. don't want it. Exactly. So, not that they don't want Jesus, I mean, but it kind of seems yeah. that way to a certain extent, too. But anyway, yep. <laughs> so yeah, so we see that then after they do that, they have the, another conversation with yep. the man who is not blind anymore. Yeah, verses 24 through 34, they interrogate him a second, guy, a second time. And you can kind of see the Pharisees. This is actually a really funny section if you, you really read through it. The Pharisees lose all sense of logic. Like, look at verse 24. It says this, They summoned the man who used to be blind a second time and said to him, and this is where they lose logic, Promise before God to tell the truth. We know that this man is a sinner. Speaking of Jesus. They've already made up their mind. They're not being logical about this. We already know he's a sinner. So yeah, now you promise to minds, tell the truth. In their minds, right, he's broken the Sabbath. Right. And, and he's broken the law. This, the law. Heal him. Right. So. But the man in verses 30 through 33 stays tactful. And he responds and challenges their logic, right? Look at it. The man replies, this is a remarkable thing that you don't know where he comes from, yet he caused me to see, right? Again, he would have been told his entire life, the only way for you to see is for the Messiah to come and heal you. He knows this. All right. So then verse 31, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is devout and does, he will. God listens to him. Never before has anyone heard of someone causing a man born blind to see. If this man were not from God, he could not he could do nothing. Yeah. Again, that that is so powerful. This man is ah, his whole life. You're not gonna be able to see unless the Messiah comes. I'm healed. He must be the Messiah. You leaders are idiots. Yeah, I mean, we can see that even in verse 27. So that kind of goes back up a little bit where he's like, I told you already and you didn't listen. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you want to hear it again? Right? So, and then I find it interesting that he says, do you also want to become his disciple? Oh, yeah. Oh, and that really... So he was saying that almost to, you know... Antagonize oh, them yeah. a bit. Yeah, he, poke, the, poke the wound. Yes. Yeah. So... I thought that was interesting too, because right, he they he had already made up they yeah. had already made up their minds. Oh yeah, they did. And then we get into the end of the chapter here, thirty-five through forty-one. We see the spiritual healing of the man. He has now been healed physically. Jesus is going to step back into the into the scene and heal him spiritually, right? Jesus comes to find him in verse 35 after he's been excommunicated. So this man is now put out of synagogue, excommunicated. He's receiving what his parents feel, feared. And then we see the man make a profession of faith and worship Jesus. And then I think verse 39 is like the summary of the entire chapter, the summary of the entire lesson. It reads, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that those who do not see may gain their sight and the ones who see may become blind. Because we see the distinct difference between this man and the Pharisees. This man was physically blind and now he sees, right? He was also spiritually blind and now he sees. The Pharisees have physical sight but are spiritually blind. Yeah. And I think what a testimony he has, you yeah. know? 
So, I mean, I know like not that much else is recorded after this film, but how many people do you think that he was able to give his testimony to that then did believe? Right. You know? Yeah. It's an interesting thing to think about. It is. But that's all I have for chapter nine. You? Same. That's it. So that was John chapter nine. We will pick it up tomorrow with chapter 10, which we will round out this week with. Yep. So again, we'll read chapter 10 tomorrow. It'll be the last reading for this week. You'll get the weekends off if you've been able to keep up or uh, use the weekends to catch up. Yep. Groovy. All right. We'll see ya. See you tomorrow.